souls. We're not bringing no glory to us. We know that the message of this word that we pro we're proclaiming through this song is all about what God's saying here through the man of God, and we're just saying and getting it out. Come on. We're using that tool and that platform to glorify God. Hallelujah. And you're going to be a part of it. Amen. Stand to your feet. Was there any other announcements, Pastor Lucia? Did I do okay? Amen. Was it exciting? Can you, is the excitement contagious? And I'm not talking about, because <laughs> they're talking about a lot of contagious things right now. But we're talking about some excitement that's contagious. Come on, some faith that's contagious. Hallelujah. Let's rub off on one another. There's some things that are not contagious in the kingdom. Righteousness is not. But if you take your life and set it apart for him, come on. Your impact of inspiration to another can be impactful and therefore contagious. Amen. Take this opportunity. Put those hands together. Real good, and welcome up Apostle Henry Killings. Amen. Thank you for your time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Minister Patton. Thank you, sir. You left me uh, 12 minutes, and I appreciate that. No, we took up all that time. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this hour and time that we have and live in our life to you. Thank you for all of those who are here with us today, our guests and all. We bless you for them. And uh, just pray that in the time remaining, we're able to speak something that will just register upon the tablets of each and everyone's heart, even as serving as a reminder, because, Lord God, as long as we're in this earthly tent, it's necessary for us to remind ourselves and remind one another of your words, which are true and forever settled in heaven. Uh, heaven, and earth, heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain. Therefore, we take heed to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, I would like for you to go to the book of Philippians chapter 2. But I'm going to read some other passages of Scripture uh, as well. So when you get to Philippians chapter 2, you can say amen. And if you need more time because you may not be as astute uh, with the books of the Bible and all, or if you don't have a... Uh, a Bible with you, and you don't have it on your smartphone, uh, your smartphone is telling you you're not all that smart, uh, that's a good time for you to say, oh, I got that one. Um, no, if you have it on your smartphone, just go ahead and call it up. Otherwise, it should be on the screen. Philippians chapter 2, we want to look at verse 14 and 15 there, and I'm going to read to you from the Passion Translation. It's not like it's superior to the others. Uh, I, I think King James, and I've shared that with you before, and I don't need to labor on it now. Uh, I believe it's one of the strongest translations that we have. And uh, there's other translations as well that help to break it down or speak it in simple terms so that we can comprehend what God is trying to get across to us. Some are from the uh, Amplified Translation that brings more of the Hebrew and the Greek and breaks down the definitions of, of each of the words in the sentence or uh, the chapter, whatever, um, what you're reading. I shouldn't say whatever, but what you're reading in the scriptures, if you will. But I'm going to read, first of all, as a reminder, Psalms 119, verses 129 through 131, Passion Translation. Your marvelous words are living miracles. No wonder I long to obey everything you say. Break open your word within me until revelation light shines out. Those with open hearts are given insight into your plans. I open my mouth and inhale the word of God because I crave the revelation of your commands. King James says, just in verse, uh, 
130 of Psalms, Psalms chapter 119, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And that's the importance of God's word for us. It's not just something we set on the table. It's not something that we just hold as a, a sacred treasure, if you will, but it's something that we get into our hearts and in our minds and we speak it with our mouths as well. Those three things are important. We need to renew our mind. And how can we renew our mind except for through the word of God so that we know God's thoughts and we start to think God's thoughts. We, we retrain our brain, if you will. We recalibrate it, whatever you want to call it. We, we do an, a do-over with it. We, we do a renovation, if you will. We tear down, root out, pull out, pluck up, and destroy the ungodly, wicked, evil thoughts. And all of us have had them at one point in time, and we may encounter them even today at this time. No matter how long you've been in the Lord, an evil thought can come your way. Sometimes it's the adversary shooting a flaming missile your way. But then sometimes it's something that you just allowed and you entertained rather than expunged it if you will, immediately uh, extinguish it before you entertain it. And then next thing you know, you're meditating and pondering over it and you're subject to give in to it because with that evil, wicked thought follows other wicked thoughts and desires as well. The seed just doesn't come along. There's something else in there wrapped up or something following it that will um, lead to further trouble. However, the entrance of thy words giveth light. So obviously there's some darkness there, and the only way we get illumination is through God's word. So we need it in our minds to renew our minds. We need it in our heart, because with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God gave us a mouth to speak, and he teaches us what to speak. Just like, you know, if you have good godly parents, if you will, they don't even have to be godly parents, but if you have some good parents as a child, they're going to teach you how to talk. They're going to teach you how to communicate because they're going to communicate with you and they're going to be telling you how to say words and then you begin to pronounce and it's just one of those innate things. That's how we teach and train, if you will. And so the, 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 the child, the baby, you know, grows up and starts making their first words, mama, dada, and that's because you've been saying those words around them and things like that and they just learn their vocabulary builds. And so that builds in a normal human fashion based on your culture, trend, if you will, and your environment. But in order to have God's thoughts, you got to go to God's words. Amen. And so you, you got to hear God talking to you all the time. You know, and if you haven't discerned or been able to hear the voice of God clearly, and if God just doesn't speak to you in an audible voice, you don't stop, well, God doesn't talk to me. You, you go find where God does speak, and that's in his word. And so then we learn God's thoughts. We learn God's ways. As Isaiah said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. My ways above your ways. It might be by, uh, reversed in those um, and, and what I just said, ways and thoughts or thoughts and ways. But anyways, God says they're not. And so in order to align ourselves with the thoughts of God, we've got to go to his word. You'll hear that time and time again. If we're here another 20, 30, 40, 50 years, Pastor Killing, Apostle Killings will still be preaching those same words to another generation that comes up. Amen. Because it never gets old. It never runs out. The word of God lives and abides forever. So it doesn't matter how society changes, culture changes, trend changes. God always remains the same. He is constant. This is why we can rely upon him. He's the Lord. He does not change. So, you know, he's going to be the same with every generation. Every generation is going to have to hear these words of faith. 
If it's a thousand years from now, these words will still, and I know you've heard me say this before, but it's important. A thousand years from now, a generation will come up. They may be flying around in flying saucers or something like that. You know, they may be, uh, you know, they may be uh, with this artificial intelligence and things like that. They may not even think for themselves anymore. They may have others to think for them and impute those thoughts. You know, technology changes, advances, and things like that, but God will still be the same. They'll still need to be saved, no matter how intelligent they are. They'll still need to repent of their sins, because one thing will not change, that sinful nature of mankind. We are shaped and, uh, and, and, and uh, molded, if you will. We, we, we come out of our mother's womb, from our dad's loins, with that sinful nature. And the only antidote for it, the only thing that can change it, is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was paid on Calvary for us to redeem us from our sins and make us in right relationship with God again. So, okay, enough. Let's move on. We drop down to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Again, I'll, first I'll read it from, I think this is a modern English translation. It is the modern English translation. So it'll say something just a little bit different, but it'll have the same meaning. And then when I get to the Passion translation, uh, it might come a little bit more alive. I pray for the time that I have remaining. Uh, let's see. Verse, well, let's do verse 13. It says, for God is the one working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. King James says, of his good pleasure. And so, you know, when, when you get saved, you have to understand that God is now working in your life. And he's working not to do your will, but his will. He's not there to do your pleasure, but his pleasure. But we have to remember God's ways are higher than our ways, and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So if we were to reduce it down to a human level of understanding, let's say Brother Joseph's over there at the door. Brother Joseph's got a smart card. And uh, th this is a side trip. I'm going to come right back. But Brother Joseph, he was down there because last Sunday I said, you know, I want to see your car. And so he came down. He, he honored that. He came on down, and he waited for me until I was done with the meetings and all. And so I came out, and we were standing outside the uh, MP room over there. And I said, okay, let's go. Let's go down there. He's like, oh, no, no, I'll just, I'll just call it down here. Just bring it down here. And I'm like, really? And he says, yeah. So he pulled out his smartphone. And called his smart car. And the smart car came over where he was to pick him up. And he says, yeah, I can be at a place and, you know, I, I can, you know, if I'm in a meeting, I have to go to a meeting. I can go to the meeting and, and the car go park itself. And I'm like, man. So that's artificial intelligence. Um, that, that's, you know. It, so if you see a white, nice, sporty vehicle going around with no driver, it's Brother Joseph somewhere around in the vicinity. And uh, I just pray it doesn't run nobody over. <laughs> Praise God. However, if, if, if Brother Joseph, um, if, if he was like, let's, and I'm just using money, but I'm not money hungry in that sense. It's not just all about money. But St. Brother Joseph was this wealthy person that he is going to be one day. He is that, but it, he's working through the process to get to that place. And he's in, in the process of doing that, he's trying to help God's people to get out of debt and master the credit so that they can do things more than what they're capable of doing now. 
so he'll help you to repair your credit. That's a plug for you, Brother Joseph. Amen? I'll see you after service. Um, but anyways, let's say he's very wealthy, okay, and he has learned things that help him to become very wealthy. And so I'm over here, and I'm very poor. But I have a desire to be wealthy, but I'm very poor, and I don't know very much. But he knows a lot. And so if it's on the level of wealth, he knows more than I do. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways, his discipline, his, you know, his, his dedication to the craft of what he does you know, is different from me. I may not have incentive to do anything, but I have a desire for everything. Know anybody like that? Oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. Oh, I want this. Oh, I want the whole world. But don't have the discipline in order to do the things to accumulate that. Now, you can do that, but make sure you get Jesus. Because Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? So it's not the wealth that's the problem. It's the need for Jesus. So coming back to my illustration, he knows more. And he's more disciplined. So his thoughts are higher, and his ways, his ways of doing things are superior to my ways. And I want to get to where he's at. And if he's the only one in my life that I know about that is at a place that I want to get to, it would be wise for me to find out what his thoughts are and what his ways are. Amen? Because it's definitely better than mine's. And I'll desire what he has. Well, God's ways and thoughts are far, they're superior. He, he knows a level of life that we don't even know. We barely scratch the surface of it because we struggle with this present earthly life. And we struggle with our own personal issues that we grew up with from a time that we were formed in our mother's womb and came out and any issues that happened beyond that up until the point of where we are. And the older we are, we ha probably have more, the, the more issues, if you will. However, that's the pattern and way of the world. But in the kingdom, God does something about that pattern. He intervenes in our lives to break the pattern and the cycle of defeat and take us to a better place, higher, better, thinking right, because we have some destructive thoughts. Uh, Joyce Meyer calls it stinking thinking, if you will, but we have some destructive thought patterns that keep us incarcerated. You can be incarcerated simply by your mind alone. You don't have to be in Martinez jail or in juvenile hall or something like that to be locked up. You can be locked up in your mind and you won't do anything to break the pattern. But Jesus comes in to break every pattern that hinders every individual. He first introduces us to salvation because that's what we need. Even though it's not a priority in our lives, it is high priority in God's life because God is like, this is why you're in the place that you're in because you're not saved. But when you get saved, now I come in to do a work. So we come back to verse 13. It is God who worketh in you 
to will and to do of his good pleasure. And you got to see that God's pleasure is higher than our pleasure. God's thoughts and his ways are higher than us. So God is not trying to get us to something, do something worse. He's trying to get us to do something far better and far superior. Most people think that they can't attain that because God's just too hard. He's just a taskmaster. He's commanding us to do this and commanding us to do that. And I'm just weak and I just can't do it and I just can't handle it and dot, dot, dot. And God's people are the worst people in the world when they ought to be the best people and dot, dot, dot. And we, we, we listen to all of that junk and God is like, that ain't no excuse. That ain't no excuse for you. I'm dealing with you. I'm dealing with you personally. So, and he ain't coming to you to ask you what's your story. Which has become so popular now. You overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. What's your testimony? What has God done for you? Because he's going to do something. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do. Will and to do. Will and to do. Will and to do of his good pleasure. So God's got to be doing something in you that just turns things around. That makes whatever hell you may have to go through like a... I don't want to say a piece of cake because that's a little bit too corny, I think. But, you know, it, it, it just pales in comparison to what God is doing in you. What you currently go through, what God is doing in you is a far greater value, if you will. God's doing things not only for eternity, but things that will work even right now. It is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. Amen. Okay, I think I drove that point home. Give me just a few more minutes. I know it's overtime. This is TFT overtime. So, here in verse 13, no, 14. Now, this is a verse where where people would lightly get mad because if they think, you know, it applies to them, they'll think that I'm talking to them personally. But it's the spirit of the living God that is speaking And he says, do all things without murmuring and disputing. And so the the Passion Translation, let me read this in verse 15. That you may be blameless and harmless sons of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as lights. This is what dad's plan is in the world. So here's the Passion Translation. Starts off, verse 14, live a cheerful life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you don't know what happened to me. It doesn't matter. Because whatever happened to you, God is at work to will and do of his good pleasure. And if you think he wants to keep you in that state uh, where you're just continuing to live a life of a victim, and don't misunderstand me, many people live the life of a victim, and they never come out of that victimized lifestyle. And Jesus comes in to loose you and set you free. Remember the woman who was bound for 18 years, according to the writings of uh, Luke. A woman was bound for 18 years with an infirmity, and she was bound by Satan. In other words, it was evil work at work in her. And yet she was a daughter of Abraham, which means she was of the lineage of Abraham. Whatever tribe she came out of, she was connected to Abraham by faith, if you will. And so she had a right we talk about, we hear a lot about rights on certain things now today in today's time. But she had a right 
to the inheritance of the kingdom of God, the promise of God that were made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. In blessing, I will bless you. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. In you, through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so she had a right to that. And here she was coming into the, 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 the temple, if you will, and it's, uh, I think she was on the Sabbath day, it might have been, but uh, forgive me for that. But here she was, and she's bent over, and she has to walk like this for 18 years. It was on the Sabbath. Imagine this. Now, you know, you might be related to somebody who may, you know, walk like that, and it usually happens in their older years and stuff. But this woman, she, she for 18 years, say 18 years. Who's 18 or older, I should say? So let me talk to this section over here. Who's the oldest? Quantos años tiene usted? 16? Okay. So. Her whole life plus two years. Now, you're 16. You probably think you've been through the whirlwind. You probably think, you know, life is just this and life is just that and I don't have this and I don't have that and stuff like that. And, you, you know, and you get around and friends and stuff. I'm just talking about at a 16-year. I'm not just picking on you in particular. But, you know, you might have had things that happened to you in your life, but nothing has you bent over like this 16 years. It was an embarrassment for her for 18 years, an embarrassment for her. And she's got to walk around like that. And so Jesus heals her, and he heals her on the Sabbath. And the people, the religious people got problems with it. Religious people are some of the most difficult ones when God's trying to move. But Jesus, he heals her. What does he say to her? Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And she straightens up. And so the religious people get mad. Why did you do that? And just look at what Jesus says. She's a daughter of Abraham. She ought to be healed. Paraphrasing. She ought to be healed. She's entitled to this. She has a right to this. It's the blessing of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus went in and went to work on her. Now Jesus at this time, he's, probably, he's anywhere between 30 and 33 so for some years now, he's seen her in this state. But when he came into his earthly ministry, 30 up to 33, he just released the power of God on anybody and everybody who would believe. And he just loosed her and let her go. And he said, this woman who has been bound by Satan for 18 years, Satan is still at work, but he's underneath our feet. Amen. And so here you have Jesus loosing this woman to release her and let her go. So the point of that being, you think if Jesus had compassion with her, and then the man who said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me whole. I am willing. Behold. You can see that Jesus, through his ministry, was not to leave people in the condition that he found them in. No matter what it was, is your condition the things that you go through as a teenager, Sister Kalachi and Michaela and Princess Sissy, and, 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 and don't say nothing. It, it'll come to me. I don't know why it just escaped Gabby. 
um, and and O2. Your situation, you and 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 and, and. don't say anything. <laughs> about to call you Antonio and you don't even have no, no name anywhere near who is Antonio you know Antonio okay I don't need that well I do know but I don't think that's it so in everything that you go through as a young person nothing nothing compares to what this woman was going through that's the whole point and you know for anybody and everybody that's older than that Nothing compares to the physical ailment that this woman had to endure, endure and deal with for 18 years. So if Jesus had compassion on her, if he had compassion on the man who was born at birth lame and yet healed the man, you think that he's going to ignore you in the things that you have to deal with, whether it's emotionally or physically, that he's just going to sit back and just watch and do nothing? I like the way Pastor Rod interpreted it. I had learned years prior to it, and it ain't about me, but I just opened, looked up in the Greek to see the definitions of some of those words. But it's like with a rhema word from God, it is impossible for him to do nothing. Uh, Pastor Ross says, for God to do nothing, why, that's impossible. But when you get a rhema word from God, it, it, it has a power of fulfillment wrapped up within it. And so when God says it, that settles the matter. You just receive it. And if it doesn't happen immediately because you're living by faith and not by sight, why well, I don't see it. It hasn't happened. It's like it has happened in kingdom terminology. When did it happen? It either happened the moment you prayed in prayer or it happened the moment he spoke that word to you. Now you're just thanking him for the manifestation that is coming. Hallelujah. That's living by faith. That's walking by faith. That's declaring things by faith. So, live a cheerful life without complaining or division. This is the Passion Translation. Live a cheerful life. Everybody say live a cheerful life. Now, he's not the only one that says something, and this is Paul to the church at Philippi, about living a cheerful life. But Jesus says something like this. You know, about worrying. Why do you worry? You want to drill on that right now? Let me just drill that right now. Just give me just a couple of minutes. Where did I put it at? Okay, I'll have to find. Oh, here it is. It's just a drill. Luke chapter, Matthew chapter 6. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, clothing, water, everything your body needs. Look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? So, which one of you by worrying can add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? So then, forsake your worries. So, above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Don't worry about a thing. 
And as the writer said in the uh, Passion's translation out of Psalms 119, or Psalms 81 uh, in verse 10. No, it's not verse 10. It's Psalms 91. And he says, don't fear a thing. Don't be afraid of a thing. That's how God wants us to be as his sons and daughters. So the world is in panic because of coronavirus. The world is in panic because of COVID-19. And we're not belittling it. We're not in an up, we're not in an uproar. We shouldn't be in an uproar, but we're not minimizing it like, you know, it's because people are affected by it and people are dying and it is spreading. But dad, what do you, you think dad wants us to be caught up into the, the worry and the fear and being afraid and, and like, oh, 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 the worst thing that can happen is that thing can send us on into glory for eternity. That's the worst case. And that ain't a bad deal. That is not a bad deal. Well, what if I ain't ready to go? Well, you can't go anywhere until it's your time. You're in God's hands, protected under the shadow of Almighty God. That's why we have you read Psalms 91 every day or however often you read it. You may not read it every day, but you need to at least read it at least three to four times a week. Cover your household. Cover your lives. Why? Because that's where you live. You live in the presence of God under the under under the shadow of Almighty El Shaddai. We don't have a spacecraft to get us into the throne room of God. So we acknowledge his presence wherever we are. We speak to him like he's here, not like, Hello, angels, can you carry this message to God? Do I have a megaphone to do that? No, we get in our prayer closets, and he comes into the secret place with us, and we commune with him. Amen. And if we're praying according to his will, he's listening to, excuse me, that was holy. He's listening to us, and not only is he listening, but he's granting. What do you mean he's granting? Well, when you grant somebody something, you give them something, and you don't expect anything in return. You grant, you, here, I give this over to you. So whatever the petitions are that are according to his will, when you're in a secret place with God, he's listening and he's granting the petitions that you desire of him. Well, I don't see it. You have to see through the eyes of faith. You have to learn to live in that realm and not just visit it. Every day is a day of faith, a faith walk, if you will. That's why you can face the challenges of the day. Because God doesn't take off because you face a crisis or a challenge. Communicate with him. I'm telling you, some of the most difficult times are eased by communing with God. By simply reading his word and letting it bring comfort to me. Some of us will reach for a medicine bottle. Some of us will reach for cough syrup. Not putting that down, but we'll reach for that kind of stuff before we'll go to God. And so as they, and they're only doing what they're supposed to do as governing officials, if you will. So they tell us, you know, if you, and, and we, you know, we don't want to be out of compliance in a sense, but unless they mandate it, then we're going to do what God tells us to do. Yeah, we're not going to regulate things because, you know, and you have a doctor who probably has no relationship with God telling people, God, God understands, God doesn't. You know, if, if God says go, go. And that's not trying to put down medical science and all, but it's like we, we serve a God who's greater than medical science. 
medical science came out from him to them. And we're not trying to be ignorant or anything like that. Or we're not trying to, you know, just prove that we are just so spiritual. Nothing better touch us. It's like, no, you're going to have to learn to walk by faith. You're going to have to learn to live by faith. You're going to have to work this thing. Too many people are, 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 are it's just a facade for them. But this is living reality where you walk this thing out. Yeah, so if we were at 1,000 and they didn't say it is mandatory or we're going to have the authorities come and shut you down, unless they do something like that, we're here. Because especially when the, 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 the highest office of the land, the president of the United States says, I'm declaring a national day of prayer. You don't get that often from them other than the one that they normally do in the month of May. I think that's the time frame in which they do it. But he declares, he says, I'm calling for, now I, I believe, I'm not sure, but I believe Pastor Paula White them and the, 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 the prayer warriors that they have around them praying every day in the White House told them, you know, Mr. President, I think you ought to call a National Day of Prayer. Okay. Because that's how, if it, if it makes sense to him, it's just, let's run with it. They're called National Day of Prayer. Praise God. He's got some tongue-talking people around him, in case you didn't know. He's got some Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized tongue-talkers around him that he lends his ear to. Jettison Franklin, Paul White, you got um, this other pastor who owns a radio station, Impact. He, he, Kenneth Copeland, they, they have his ear. And there's others who could have that, that same kind of access. And it ain't about popularity or anything like that. It's just opportunity. John Hagee, who's not pulling any punches, he doesn't care who it is. He's going to speak truth to them. Samuel Rodriguez, they all have access to him. And they're spirit-filled. So they'll speak something to him. If he doesn't like it, he won't do it. But if it's something that, you know, he's in agreement with. So this is one of those things. So if there was a day where we should be assembling, because you know how people are. It's, it's, an, it's optional. It's just like church attendance. It's optional. It's when I feel like it or when it's convenient for me. Rather than it's a mandate by God that we speak to the powers of darkness every time we assemble together. We let them know the kingdom of God is here. And you ain't just running unchecked. But somebody's praying and seeking the face of God while you out here trying to wreak havoc on the neighborhoods. But the thing of it is, we don't have enough of us doing what we ought to be doing. But when we do what we ought to be doing, the devil is, he, he's, he's weak against the church. But if the church doesn't realize that or walk in it, he will always appear to be this roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And it's nothing like weak saints that he loves to devour. That's why God tells us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Why? Because we got a devil out there, you know, who, who seeks to devour. Seeks to devour. He preys upon weak Christians. That's just some of his best diet. So, those were the words of Jesus concerning worry. So, we want to live life, a cheerful life, without complaining or division among ourselves. For then... You will, we will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though, everybody say even though, because we can identify with this, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture, we can identify with those words. 
you look at the Me Too movement, and you look at how some of these who were very wealthy being brought down and brought and put into prison for stuff that happened e eons ago. It was wrong then, it's wrong now. But now they're all of a sudden having to pay a penalty, and that's not it. There's many more who have abused women and men, if you will. But we live in a perverse culture. Anytime a man, grown man, adult man, wants to have a sexual relationship with a little bitty baby, that's perverse culture. When you have a society who wants to, and these are not just talking points, they're living reality. When you have individuals who, you know, the, the girl, woman, whoever, nine months pregnant, about to deliver the baby and decides she wants to abort the baby, abortion on demand, she can kill that baby legally. And there's no repercussions of it. it it's perverse culture. It's a perverse culture because it's a woman's right to choose, and this is her body. Well, how about the body of the baby that's being formed on the inside? That baby doesn't have a voice. It's not to make anybody feel guilty. It's just a state of truth, if you will. It's just not right. It's a perverse culture. You have a man with a man and a woman with a woman, and they think that it's okay. They have, uh, 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 they have denigrated. They have abused. They have... Uh, uh, just taking advantage of the holy covenant and institution of marriage which God ordained in the beginning when he took a male and a female and joined them, to get them together as husband and wife and that was the pattern that God established so now we have different patterns out there now and watch very soon I, I believe it's going to come uh, not too far in the distant future they're going to have group weddings and people will be able to marry their animals and their pets that they're so in love with and things of that nature because they already do things with them. They already do the group things. That's just how perverse the culture has become. So it's, we can bear witness that what's being said here, which is almost 2,000 years ago, still goes on today, but it's only escalated, especially with the Internet and all, because we can know everything about everything in just seconds, if you will, because it all gets spewed out there on the Internet. So we can identify with it, the culture and all. But God expects us to live a cheerful life, not a perverted life. He expects us to live a life without complaining or without division. In other words, dad is saying, I don't want you complaining about anything. I'm your daddy. I'm your papa. I'm your God. I'm your provider. When you complain, that reflects me and my life in you. When the children of Israel complained against Moses, they complained against Moses, they complained about Aaron as well. But when they complained against Moses, God dealt with the people that were complaining and not Moses. Moses did get himself in trouble because the people made him so angry, but he had an anger issue that he never dealt with. And uh, it's not a fault because he's still with the Lord, praise God. When I say it's not a fault, I mean it didn't get him expunged from heaven. He's still with God. But Moses, you know, he had to deal with three million people plus, if you will, and they had some problems. And all the while they were in the wilderness, guess what dad was doing? Trying to help them to overcome their problems. And he was telling them, faith is a way, faith is a way, faith is a way. Faith is the way. Because we see that they perished in the wilderness because of their unbelief. 
And because of their unbelief, they departed from the living God rather than holding fast to the traditions, the patterns, the truth of God's word for them in the days in which they lived on this earth. Carlitos, how you doing? So, we can identify with the perverse culture and we can identify with murmuring or complaining. Murmuring itself was one of the sins that kept the children of Israel, as I said, out of the land of Canaan. They never reached the land of promise because of one of these factors that kept them back. If that kept them back, and the Bible teaches us that these things are written, what are these things? The things that are under the old covenant over here. These things are written not for just you to see a soap opera or not for you to just see, you know, just to read some stories and things, but these things were written for our admonition and for our example so that we wouldn't repeat the same things that they did. So if we repeat the same things that they did, we'll get the same results that they got. Grace is for those who want to continue to press on. The letter is for the rebellious. The law was not written for the godly. The law was written for the rebellious to teach them the ways of God. And then when they start walking in the ways of God, now they can experience God's grace and goodness and just, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Almost done. Uh-oh, that's it. That's it. Time's up. I don't know who did that, but smash that thing. Get a hammer and smash it immediately, if not sooner. Even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture, for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe. That's what dad wants out of all of us. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. It says, a joyful, cheerful heart which is, remember what the Passion Translation said in chapter 2, verse 14, live a cheerful life. A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul, which is one of the reasons why Jesus asked the question, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Worrying only makes you sick. It makes you sick in the mind. It opens up the door for depression. It opens up the door for oppression, if you will. It makes you sick in the mind, sick in the heart, sick in the body. That's why the Lord says, don't worry. And he doesn't want us to fear. Overcome our fears through faith. Something may be before us, and it may invoke fear, but faith keeps us going. And that, to the others, make it seem like you're courageous. You get that? A few of you got it. Do I need to repeat it so everybody else can get it? Yeah. So it's like, man, you're really bold. Man, you're really, I just kept going. That's all. I just kept going. And when you keep going, you'll find out that what's before you is really ain't all that. It's just a distraction, something to try and prevent you from getting to the place God wants you to be. But you keep going by faith, and by faith you're living on the principles and counsel of God's word. You're not moved by what you see. You just keep on going. Others may look. Others may mock. Others may laugh. Others may say, where is their God? It's been so long. And then when it happens, praise God. Where my people's at? Right, stand to your feet. Always a pleasure sharing the word of God. I kept you 30 minutes after. I owe you 30 minutes Praise God. I hope the roast didn't burn up. And uh, 
it probably really helps some of you. That's the intent anyways. Don't be afraid of this thing. Live for God. Live by faith. I'm thankful that you came today. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that you came today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, if they issue a mandate and say that, you know, they're going to send in the National Guard if we come to church, then we'll, then we'll try the, uh, try the uh, Facebook Live and stuff like that. But until such time, we're just going to keep on walking by faith. We're going to see God work. Hallelujah. Smith said, if God don't move, I move God. Well, we're going to move God if he, you know, in the name of Jesus. Oh, and don't forget, for those of you who are interested, if you want to even buy it as a gift for somebody, the 20 days of fasting and prayer and devotion is ready. And it's back there at the uh, table over there by Brother Tim. See Sister Keanani, she's the one who's handling it. See Sister Finn as far as uh, the seed to sow in order to get it. Uh, because they, uh, they, especially Sister Finn, they, they have made their, 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 their thoughts known. I'll put it like that, considering it. So we're asking just for a donation, just to continue to contribute towards the work of ministry. It's not a fundraiser. It was a pleasure doing, and we know that there's more to come in the future. Amen. So uh, you can get a copy, but see Sister Kanani. She'll let you know, and she'll have Sister Finn as her bodyguard in case anybody has a problem. Buy two. Get one for yourself. Get one for your friends. I think we have, what, 20 over there or something like that? Somewhere in that vicinity. 17. 17. So anyways, it's very good. It, and and uh, Pastor Lucia, Minister Patton, and Sister Lauren, they did a good job in putting it together and stapling it as a booklet. And this will be something for people that they can benefit from. Um, it doesn't have to be at the first of the year. It could be any time of the year, but take those 20 days. By that time, you have established a pattern within your life that you can now build upon. Hallelujah. If you lack discipline, this will help you to get on course. Amen. Thank you. So now, Father, we thank you. Lift your hands to Jesus. Thank you for today. Thank you for this time and opportunity. Again, thank you for the sons and daughters who came out today. And we just pray not only just a special blessing, but just uncommon favor, Lord God. What you did this week was good. We believe you for greater things and greater days that are ahead of us. Increase in us as we decrease. And may we have a message to speak to others, and may the spirit of evangelism just come upon us, the spirit of just witnessing, being a witness unto you to others. May it just take off and just flourish in the mighty name of Jesus. But may you be glorified in all that we do. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of our Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Ghost be multiplied and increased in each and every one of your lives. May you glorify the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost who lives and abides within you in everything that you do in word and in deed. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. His name be over you and your household that he may bless you, that you may enjoy the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Above all else, you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, that the gates of hell never prevail against you, but you always triumph over the gates of hell because of who you are and whose you are. 
the body of Christ, the church of the living God. The Lord be with you everywhere you go. In Jesus' name, even you who are watching live stream, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Greet one another in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Tonight, we will come to the altar at 6 p.m. We'll be back here at the altar. Amen.